Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to Pots podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and magnificent people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries with Emily. Emily, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we are excited to get to know you. How old are you and where are you? Um, I'm 25 years old and I currently live in Washington State. Where in Washington State? Um, I live in the boring Tri-Cities, a very dry desert and it gets really hot. <laughs> Wait, so you don't live in a place where it's like rainy and cloudy all the time? I wish. I'm originally from Oregon and I love the rain. I love the green. I love the trees. But no, I live in a dry desert. <laughs> okay. Okay. And how would your friends or family describe your personality? Um, probably goofy, a little bit shy, patience, caring, a little bit stubborn in there. Okay. And what are you good at? I've recently taken up cooking. What do you like to cook? Um, I love to cook lasagna. I've been learning to try to make ratatouille. Um, didn't turn out great this last time, but I'll get there. Anything really. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. What else do you like to do besides cook? Um, I've been taking up sewing recently and making handmade cat and dog toys. Oh, neat. Do you have a cat or a dog? I have two cats and then I have my mom's dogs come over quite a bit. Oh, and so you have homemade presents for them? Yes, I do. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. But then do they destroy them? You know, my cats, well, they're only one. And then the dogs, they're older, so they've kind of mellowed out a little bit. Okay, that's super nice. Okay, okay, I'm going to throw in a new question. What is the most fun thing you've ever done in your life so far? Oh, I've been to Australia. I love traveling. And when I turned 18 and graduated high school, my grandma, who was a big traveler, been all over the world, took me to Australia, which was my dream since a little girl. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Okay. So how old were you when POTS showed up in your life? And what did your life look like at that time? I was 24. So um, a little less than a year ago now. And I was working full time as a certified medical assistant at an urgent care. Okay. So what was that like? Before all of this, I loved working in the medical um, scenery and I loved connecting with my patients, everything about it really. I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So what was it like being a medical assistant at urgent care? Okay, it was good. Because it seems to me that you're probably like seeing a bunch of people when they're so stressed out. Yes, they are. It was, it was interesting. I had worked previously in a whole bunch of different areas where it wasn't 12-hour shifts. It was just a normal like eight to five kind of job. So it was a big change. Um, and People do come in stressed, but I understand that. They don't feel good. They're just trying to get help. The healthcare system has changed a lot over the years. It's very hard to get good quality care. So it, I could understand why. Yeah. So what, what was your first sign that POTS was coming into your life? 
Um, I was very fatigued. Migraines, I had some fainting spells, stuff that was just out of the ordinary for me. Uh, what did you think was happening? Did you know? I didn't know. I knew of POTS, but I didn't know that's what it, what was going on. So the, it was just interesting. I went to the ER a couple of times. Um, I was calling out of work quite a bit because I couldn't, I would like be in the room with my patients and I would just get total brain fog because that's also another <laughs> awesome symptom I have. And I had to repeat questions because I couldn't remember what they said. Yeah. So did it help that you were in an urgent care clinic? Like, did anyone recognize it in you or was it still a bit of an ordeal to get a diagnosis? Still hard to get a diagnosis. I didn't love asking for help from the people I worked with. I kind of wanted to keep my stuff private. It was kind of embarrassing. You could definitely tell though, I was kind of swaying a little bit. I ended up going on medical leave for a couple months just because I couldn't keep up, kept calling out and I was scared I was going to lose my job. Yeah. You mentioned passing out a couple times. Yes. Anything dramatic? Nothing too dramatic. Most of us happened um, at my own apartment, which I live alone. And I hit my head once really hard on my bathroom counter. Ooh. And that hurt quite a bit. I thought maybe a concussion. I had a little bit of a bruise going on. Nothing major. I waited a day um, and I was like, I got to go to urgent care. So I actually went to um, it's not the clinic I worked at, but it's like a chain of it. And I knew some of the providers there and I ended up going there to get checked out. Okay. Okay. So how long did it take to get a diagnosis? Probably about seven or eight months. I can't quite remember. It's kind of all foggy. <laughs> um, but I actually ended up going to a naturopath that was recommended to me, um, by one of my fellow friends. He's a PA and he's the one that was actually the one that diagnosed me. And then this month I got a backup diagnosis by a neurologist. Okay. So did you ever have to go through a, it's all in your head phase? Were you worried about that? Oh yeah. I think my mom and dad got more mad about it than I was, but there definitely was. It's it, I never got told directly, you know, it's all in your head, but it was very dismissive. I probably saw about seven or eight different specialists just referral after referral. One of the doctors, I actually had a, I think it's called a poor man's table test with my naturopath. He wrote it down and you could see that it was from him. And I had a doctor tell me that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. My. Yeah. Okay. Well, so before you had your diagnosis or after, what were your worst symptoms? I would definitely sit the migraines. I had horrible migraines. And I had like this rapid heart palpitations kind of thing going on. The foggy brain can be quite annoying. I know it's not like the dangerous part, but it can be quite annoying. Yeah. Um, and the fainting was not great. <laughs> so I have recently realized it can be fun to hear how different people describe migraines. Oh, really? Do you mind okay. describing your migraines for us? <laughs> Let's see here. I feel like it's always on my right side. It's never, and it's like in the front, not in the back. It's like this excruciating like sharp pain that and like very light sensitive sound sensitive i almost can't get out of bed it's just so horrible um it's like i don't know like a hammer like knocking on your head and you kind of just wish someone could like take your brain out and give you a, like a few seconds of rest kind of thing i'm so sorry but see that was interesting to hear yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to be very descriptive here oh my goodness okay um so any other worst symptoms? Because then I want to move on to how much better are you now? But anything yeah. else to say about I mean, I have quite a few symptoms. So describing them to my doctors, you kind of feel crazy because you just keep listening. You know, I have this and this and this, and they're kind of just like 
you don't really have all of those. And I'm like, no, I really do. Maybe not at the same time, but at different, you know, areas in some kind of way, it does happen. But the ones I told you are probably the most severe. Okay. So once you had a diagnosis, how much were you able to get good treatments? It's been good. My last two doctors I've seen, which is the naturopath and the neurologist, have been absolutely amazing. They believed me. I honestly don't know what I would have done without them because every other person I saw was just very dismissive. And it's been good. It's been still a journey. I'm still working to get better. Um, but I have had a few tips and that's helped me a lot. Oh, good. Okay. So if you were to rate your functionality at your worst and then rate it again now, what would you say? Where was your low point and where are you now? My low point, like you want it on like a scale, like of how bad it was? Or? Yeah, like from zero to a hundred. How functional were you at your worst and how functional are you now? Well, if 100 was the worst, then I probably at my worst time was around an 80. It was, to me, it felt awful. <laughs> I'm also kind of a pansy, so it could have been kind of that too. <laughs> and now it just kind of varies day to day because sometimes I feel great. Like the whole day I do, I do awesome. Maybe around three o'clock I start dropping, but most of the day I'll do good. But then other days it's like, I'm non-functional in bed. Don't ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So has this affected your work and your career? Yeah, I'm currently not working. I ended up did get let go because it was kind of, I guess, like a mutual agreement because I felt bad for leaving my workmates, you know, alone a lot. Um, and they needed someone that's with consistency. And I didn't know what was going on at that time. Um, and so I was let go. And right now, it's just not plausible for me to work, but I'm getting there. Oh, good. So you think you'll be back at something that's a similar to your old career? Or would you go for something that different? 12 hour shift sounds different. really grueling. Yeah, something a little bit different, probably. Um, I think about going back to school at some point. Um, but medical assisting is just you're constantly up on your feet. And it's hard for me to personally stand up for long periods of times before my pulse starts going skyrocketing. Um, so probably something different. So are there things that you have to do every day to try to feel good? Every day I drink about four waters and that could be mixed with like a, a electrolyte drink like Fentropal or liquid IV. But I make sure to get at least three to four in and that staying hydrated really helps me and eating small salty snacks throughout the day. Were there any other treatments that make a really big difference for you? Nothing that I've tried. I've been given like a tip um, to like when your heart is racing and you feel like your pulse is, you know, going through the roof to put an ice pack on your chest to, and lay down. Um, mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem to really help me personally, but I do, I do know it helps a lot of people. So what is the biggest life change that you've made because of POTS? I don't know. I've kept a lot of things the same. I'm just trying to work around it. I mean, obviously I you know, try to diet well, no caffeine. I already didn't smoke, but you, you know, none of that. So yeah, that's about it. I don't make a whole bunch of changes. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this has changed you very much as a person? Maybe not so much as like a person, but medical field, I see a lot different now. If I ever went back in, there would be, I was already pretty patient that I thought of, but there would be so much more compassion and care there. Like it's just can be so frustrating to get a diagnosis. And I know a lot of people don't get told straight up, you know, you're crazy, you know, it's all in your head, but just being like kind of hinted towards that, it's really hurtful. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What's the hardest thing about living with POTS? Just constantly being tired, not feeling well, 
trying to not feel like a burden to your friends and family, it, it can just get a little bit tiring after a while. What can people do that helps you the most or gives you the best support? I think just being patient with me, you know, sometimes, like I said, I don't feel good and some days I don't. So people will see me doing really good and be like, oh, she's all better. And then be surprised the next day where I'm like non-functional. So just kind of be patient, kind of come from an understanding place and we'll be good. <laughs> Is there anything that you know now about living with POTS that you wish you had known sooner? Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Like I said, I already kind of knew the basics about it. I guess if I had to say something, symptoms can show differently with everyone. It's not necessarily the same thing. It's not always your pulse is going to be through the roof. It can come in different forms. Had you ever seen POTS in your days when you worked at the urgent care? I would see people that had already had a diagnosis come in with it, but I've never fully worked one-on-one -on -one with it. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like I never worked diagnosing it with my doctors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say, I, I wonder if it would be interesting kind of looking back at how differently it presents in different people. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting thing to see. Yeah. Do you have any kind of words you live by or mantras that help you deal with all this stuff? I do. I have this quote that I absolutely love. And it is basically, I want to be like a sunflower. So even in the darkest of days, I can stand strong. And I just love that. Nice. Do you have any coping strategies that you use? Or is there anything that you look to to give you strength for dealing with all of this? My mom has been my biggest supporter. She's my strength through all of this. She's gone to almost every doctor's appointment with me because there's a point that I was just scared almost of doctors, which is kind of funny because I worked in the medical <laughs> um, field. But after a while being told so many times that you're crazy, you're wrong or dismissive, I was getting scared. It was giving me so much anxiety. And my mom went with me to every single one. She was my advocate. She takes care of me on the days I don't feel well. Yeah, I would say she's been my strength through all this. So that's really interesting that you say that. So here you had a career working side by side with doctors in urgent care, and presumably they were your colleagues, your friends, your coworkers, you were pretty comfortable around them. And then within a few months of becoming a patient with something that maybe they didn't always understand completely, it made you feel super kind of anxious around them. Not necessarily around them because I didn't tell them. They knew something was going on, but I didn't give them like I was fainting. I was, you know, getting my. And I guess I'm referring to like doctors in general, not necessarily oh, okay. your coworkers, but just sort of you had mentioned that it had become. And I don't know if anxious is the right word, but no, it I was become... extremely anxious around them. I I would like mom. I don't want to go. They're just gonna tell me these like I'm crazy again, or they're gonna be dismissive, or I'm just gonna get a note the referral out. I don't want to go. And she's like, well. It's, it's up to you, but let's give this one more a try. Let's, I'll go with you and I'll help be your advocate. I've seen you go through all of this. But yeah, I was, I was getting super anxious going to doctors. Wow. That's just amazing to me, though, because you had worked side by side with them up until then. Do you mind just talking a little bit more about how you saw doctors before POTS and then how you saw doctors after POTS? Yeah. And maybe how you see them now? Yeah. It's hard to say how I felt about doctors in general because sometimes you get those really nice doctors that you work with and they're they really care about their patients and all they want to be there is to help and be an advocate and then you have those ones that just aren't great <laughs> that just want to kind of bring in the money just get them in and out um 
those were the worst ones to work with. I'm obviously not going to say any names, but it's hard to like put a definition on all doctors. Um, but after I just, I, I hadn't met one doctor that was nice to me, honestly, like they would just dismiss me all the time or tell me, you know, maybe it's a bug. You'll go give it a few weeks or just go to the ER. We can't do anything for you. And it just made me really anxious. And I didn't see them in the best way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you have a diagnosis, does it help? I wouldn't say it helps overall. I So I told you that I saw the naturopath. That was recommended to me by a family friend who was a physician's assistant. And I trust him a lot. So I went to go see him. He helped a lot. And then I got a referral to go see a neurologist that took me about four months to get. Because, you know, they're really busy, prioritizing, totally understand. And I was like, Mom, I don't even know if it's worth it to go see him. And she's like, it's up to you. I went to see him. And he was great. He was wonderful. He believed me. He, you know, did his own little tests. Totally agreed with the diagnosis. And he was wonderful. So I think it's just going to be a, you know one-on-one kind of situation where I just have to kind of see when I see them. Yeah. 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 Has anything positive at all come from having POTS? Any silver linings? I don't know. Maybe I've become a lot closer with my mom. We've always been close, but this has really brought us closer together. My whole family is really supportive, but my mom's been the one that's been by me. And like I said, I have a lot more compassion for people who don't necessarily have an illness that you can see is because you never know people won't necessarily see me and be like oh you know <laughs> she has bots mm-hmm. so i think that it's kind of a silver lining coming out of it have you told friends i told um two of my closest friends but i don't know i just don't love to announce it to people i meet unless if it's have to know kind of basis but yeah Are you up for doing a speed round where you just say the first thing that comes to your mind? Sure. Yeah. What is the drink you find the most hydrating? Ventral What is your favorite time of the day and why? Anytime after six, I'm a night owl. So it's just relaxing. How late do you stay up? Oh, it kind of depends because also I have a really hard time sleeping sometimes, especially if I don't feel well. So sometimes I could be up until like 3 or 4 a.m., but it's not always that case. Okay. So where is your favorite place to spend time and why? I love just going outside anytime, anywhere really, as long as it's not, you know, gross. (laughs) But um, (laughs) going for a walk by my house, love it. Fresh air. How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face? I've actually met zero so far. What is one word that describes what it's like living with a chronic illness? Tiring. What is some good advice you try to live by? Be yourself. Sometimes you feel like, what if I was this different person? It wouldn't be like that. But just be yourself and be proud of who you are. What is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? My pets. Who is somebody that you admire? Um, My whole family, really, but my mom and dad. Do you want to say why? Well, my dad's just, um, he's always there for me. You can, I can just ring him up and he's like coming over ready to help. Um, he's like my hero. Um, and then my mom is my biggest supporter too. So. Oh, yay. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite food? I love anything really Mexican or Italian. What is something you're proud of? I'm proud of how far I've come in this journey because I was very depressed at one point. So I'm proud of getting out of that little bubble. 
Did you have any particular strategies that helped you get out of that bubble or was it just time? I honestly think it was just time. There was nothing that could really um, pull me out of it besides just giving it some time. And honestly, after I got the diagnosis was a big relief too. So, yeah. What's an activity that you can enjoy even when you're feeling really potsy? I can sew pretty well as long as it's sitting down and relaxing. Okay. Um, what helps you fall asleep, if anything? I like listening to YouTube and podcasts. What gives you energy when you need it? I don't know if anything can really give me energy <laughs> when I need it. <laughs> if I'm out of energy, then I'm out. <laughs> sure enough. What is a gift that you would have sent to every POTS patient on Earth if you had infinite funds? If I have infinite funds, it would be helping with medical bills. It gets super expensive and you tend to see a lot of doctors when you're in the process of getting diagnosed. So definitely medical bills. Yeah. What is something you are grateful for? I'm grateful for the, my, the support of my family and friends. Okay. Can you finish these sentences? I love it when dot, dot, dot. Um, it's raining. I hate it when dot, dot, dot. It's 114 degrees out. People might suspect I'm a potsy when dot, dot, dot. Um, they want to hang out and I'm in bed all day. <laughs> Have you ever had to sit down or lie down in a weird place because of pots? And if so, where was it? Yes, my sister and I were walking um, at the park and I started getting really dizzy and my heart was racing. So I sat right down in the middle of the path and she took my pulse for me and we just waited it out. <laughs> Okay, I just have a couple more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? Um, that it can show up in different ways. It's not all just one physical way. Is there anything you want to say to your fellow POTS patients out there listening? Something that's really helped me is finding a community, finding Facebook groups, finding people that understand what you're going through. That's something that I would recommend for everyone. Yeah. And why did you let us share your story today? I just want to show people that it can get better. And even if you're in a hard time at this moment, that there's people around you um, that support you through it. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I know that everybody is sending really, really good vibes your way. And we're just really grateful for your story and your insights. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, listeners, hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll be back again next week, but until then, thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone, and please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.